Psalms chapter 9, verses 11 to 15. In that day I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen, and repair its breaches, and raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I'll be reading uh, chapter 15, verses 1 to 33. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and, and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, Listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. 
For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us with, and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell. So, when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Kira, for that reading. Thank you for standing and acknowledging that story. I think it's good to read large portions portions of scripture and get the whole context, get the whole story together. So my name is Ben Ewart. If you don't know me, I'm the minister of worship here at First Baptist Church, and I'm preaching today. Um, they let me out of the out of the room, and I'm going to preach a little bit. So um, just bear with me, and I'll be jumping back and forth a little bit. But it's um, in all seriousness, really great, fantastic to share the Word of God together this morning. Let's just pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Amen. So I am a musician, amongst other things, um, and one of the reasons I love music and the history of music is because uh, music tends to recall to mind themes and subjects. So if you hear something from your past, maybe, or not so distant past, but oftentimes you can recall the moment where you heard that thing or you can immediately associate uh, with that theme the thing that it was originally writ written for. So that's, it's a beautiful thing about music. I think it also applies to scripture as well, these interdependent resonances, as it were. But basically, um, the idea that when you hear something, a theme is recalled. And so, for example, I... Um, have a movie that I really like. Uh, it's called Hook. Have any of you heard of this movie, Hook? It's from years ago, way back in the, the ancient times of the 90s. Um, and uh, any, anyways, in the movie, Hook, it's about a grown-up Peter Pan who's forgotten that he's Peter Pan. And the movie is about him coming to terms with that and remembering his childhood, remembering 
what his sense of adventure and uh, his responsibility to his friends and community and then also to his family as well. So at the end of the movie, he, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it, but it's been th 30 years, I think. So um, anyways, you can go out and watch it. But at the end, he comes back to his life. Um, his, you know, he's gone off to Neverland. He's come back to, to his life and he is, remains an adult and remains all, with all of that responsibility. Um, but he also keeps his sense of wonder and childhood. And uh, anyways, the, the reason I bring that up in terms of musical themes is that there's a great theme there that's, uh, it goes like this. Da -dum, da -da, da -da 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 -dum. And that's Peter Pan's theme throughout the movie. So if you ever go back and watch it, you'll, you'll recognize it. So that, when I hear that, I just, to me, it evokes a bit of a sense of wonder. And it's composer John Williams, you know, he's done Star Wars and all those Jurassic Park, that kind of thing. So he has a really good grasp on the themes and what they evoke. And I think that um, one of the themes that runs through the Bible that should immediately call our, our attention, call us to attention, immediately we're paying attention, is this idea of God dwelling with his people and God rebuilding things and God making out of two, one, or out of many nations, one body. And so that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit today, that God wants to dwell with his people in the context of, of Acts chapter 15, this story that Kira wonderfully read for us and that uh, James um, prefigured as well, Jamie as well, uh, prefigured with his reading of Amos. So God is gathering a new people for himself, and the book of Acts is where that story continues to unfold. So we've been reading it uh, over the last months. The book is a foretaste of the glory of the knowledge of the Lord filling the earth as the water covers the seas. And in this particular chapter, we see a challenge to this new people of God. There's an unsettling challenge that happens. There's a welcome reaction. And then there's a positive resolution that strengthens the early church. And we'll look at all three, and then I'll offer four reflections for us today. But let's just take a look at that surrounding context, that theme that uh, when we hear it, it immediately causes us to think God's doing something here. And we've heard a couple of times this year about God's plan for his new people. We've heard the reading uh, in the book of Revelation, the apostle John wrote, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Note it's not going back up into heaven, it's coming down to hev from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This theme that's, that is, it culminates in that chapter of Revelation at the end of the Bible. And throughout all of scriptures, there are glimpses of this dwelling together. So in the book of Genesis, we see that God created the earth as a temple in which his image would dwell. Adam and Eve made in the image of God to minister in the earth, to cultivate it, to walk with God. Abraham, chosen to be the father of the people Israel, through whom God's blessing would come, was supposed to come. God dwelt with the Israelites, uh, Abraham's children, through the fire and cloud and tabernacle and tent. And throughout all of that, each of these people, these groups, were meant to bear God's blessing as a light to the world, but they couldn't quite do that. It kept on failing. So finally we see the blessing that comes through Abraham, coming of Jesus, God's son, the faithful Israelite. And uh, John chapter 1 says, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the one who could bear God's promises of blessing and of judgment. 
Jesus, the one who is faithful even unto death. And Jesus is still the focal point in the book of Acts, and now resurrected and the Lord of a new people. And Jesus says to his followers at the beginning of the book of Acts, before he ascends into heaven, uh, just note that ascending into heaven, the city of Jerusalem coming out of heaven to dwell at the end of, t uh, end of time, uh, here he says to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we've been tracking that story through, through Acts here. So who are the people to whom these witnesses were sent? Well, two weeks ago, if you remember, if you cast your mind back to uh, Felipe's wonderful sermon uh, about the diversity in the Antioch church, these are the group of believers, uh, some of them, that these witnesses had gone to. And Felipe described it, the growing church in Antioch, this diverse group of believers, both Jews and Gentiles, in a bustling city where one could find people from all over the Roman Empire. And it was here that a disagreement on the teaching of salvation about what it meant to be the new people of God was unsettling the early church and threatening to divide it. So an unsettling challenge. Members of the Jewish uh, Jerusalem church had come down, some of them without any instruction from uh, the church there to declare to the Gentile Christians in Antioch that if they wanted to be included in the new people of God, they had to do two things after the tradition of the Jews. They had to observe circumcision, uh, which was a special sign given to the Jews um, of being set apart for God. And they had to keep the law of Moses with all of its regulations and customs. Now, interestingly, interestingly enough, Paul and Barnabas, uh, who we'll hear much about as we go through the book of Acts, they were also present in Antioch at the time. And if you read Paul's letters, you can see how much he struggled uh, to refute this idea, this putting on of something extra for the Gentiles over the course of his life and ministry. And Paul writes, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So why was this so important to get right in the early stages of the church? Why couldn't the Gentiles just go along with the customs and traditions of the Jews? After all, wasn't circumcision a special sign in itself of being a part of the family of God? Well, Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, quote unquote, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, one body in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. So Jesus reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross. And this controversy that these particular uh, group of Jewish Christians were bringing in from Jerusalem, this con controversy threatened to go backwards and break apart what Christ by his sacrifice had made one. 
one body out of two peoples, Jews and Gentiles. The prideful isolation isolation to which humankind had fallen victim to time after time. It was again threatening in, again, knocking at the door of the early church. So these two requirements, circumcision, keeping the law of Moses and its ordinances, they would have completely undermined the gospel which was preached to these new Gentile believers, namely that they were saved by grace through faith in Christ. If the Gentiles were to observe the customs and traditions and be known for them, it would show to the surrounding community that these Christians were set apart for the wrong reasons, rather than the primary foundation, the cornerstone, which was Jesus, known for customs and traditions and not for Jesus. It can happen anywhere, with any people and any tradition. But there was a welcome reaction from both churches, from Antioch and Jerusalem. When the church in Antioch were confronted with this unsettling teaching, they didn't split off, they didn't create their own second Antioch Church of the Gentiles, or whatever it would have been called back then. Uh, and this, I think, is a, it's an important lesson for us today. How do we react when we are confronted with unsettling teaching or differences of practice? Are we quick to put up walls? Do we shut out our ears? Do we allow differences to drive a wedge right between us? Or can we be patient enough in prayer and consideration as a community of that one new people of God to listen for the direction of God together. Well, rather than panicking, the Antioch church appointed Paul and Barnabas and some others uh, within the church to go up to Jerusalem and speak to the apostles and elders there about this question, these two. Should new Gentiles, Gentile believers be circumcised? churches and the people along the way. Uh, there's joyful response and affirmation as the Jewish Christians hear all about the conversion of the Gentiles, this bringing into this new body. The scripture says that they heard the accounts of all that God was doing with great joy. And when the delegation from Antioch arrived in Jerusalem, they were top-down proclamation from the Jerusalem church, but rather a long discussion where different voices were heard and scripture was considered. The apostle Peter spoke up about how God had given the new Gentile believers the gift of the Holy Spirit, making no distinction between Jews and Gentiles and cleansing the Gentiles' hearts by faith. He says this in a Jesus, just as, uh, sorry, that they will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Paul and Barnabas then back that up by describing the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles, showing that God was at work in these new people through his Holy Spirit. And James affirms...
rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins. I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord. And this is an important part right here, who makes these things known from of old. It's something that has always been planned. that God had visited Gentile believers with the same Holy Spirit as we've seen here that he poured out on them. They agreed that the sign of circumcision and keeping of the law of Moses were not necessary for salvation, but rather, as Peter says, that they will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as the Jews were. And as a result... But it's a letter that even in its simplicity, uh, you can feel the warmth and the encouragement within. So they make a point of sending it also uh, with their leading men, their leading representatives, and with Paul and Barnabas, whom the Antioch church would know, to acknowledge the distress that was caused by people who had gone... between them uh, and also to to live in holy conduct in the city at large which would have included a huge variety of people from all over uh, the world at that time so when they received this letter the congregation rejoiced because of its encouragement and the representatives imagining receiving this letter as this developing Christian community. What a beautiful outcome to a potentially damaging and divisive challenge. What some people had intended for evil, God had worked out for the good of his new people. Though custom and history destroyed Considered, it was debated, it was dealt with, and then dismissed. Although, again, through the letters of Paul, you can see it come back over and over again. But here and now, a strengthening of the body of Christ resulted through this process of encouragement between the two churches. The believers in Jerusalem... and honoring and strengthening each other in Christ. So in conclusion, four points, four reflections to consider as we come to a close here. And we are Gentiles, most of us. Most committed our lives to Christ. We know that we're saved from death by a beautiful grace of God that leads us to repentance. But sometimes it's easy to compare people in the church 
compare each other, compare other churches to intractable Pharisees, to see our... differences that will distract us from a glorious truth that God was doing something new in the creation of a new people for himself, but it was something he always said that he would do. That call to dwell with God continues today in his offer of salvation to all on the basis of Yoke is a farm implement that would join two animals together and they would walk together. Uh, and oftentimes that imagery is used in the Bible uh, as you walk with someone, either you're yoked to something heavy and burdensome or you're yoked to Jesus. His yoke is easy, burden is light. Probably not relatable to you at all, but um, but it, we need to remember that all of Scripture bears witness to the new life in which God calls us to walk, and that there are externals, extra things which can grow in important. form of godliness while denying its power and if we invest in them the life that is meant for Christ alone we will become stunted and bitter in our faith traditions and liturgies they're important fresh perspectives and creative thinking thinking our life, our faith, our worship, does it illumine, illuminate Christ as he is or as we want him to be? Thirdly, there is a patience that God has. There's a wonderful verse in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. It says, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their way and live. Likewise, that image as well, circumcised of heart rather than the body, set apart from God to love him and to love our neighbor. And finally, the yoke of Jesus. We talked about a yoke too heavy to bear, but there's also the yoke that Jesus calls
And it seems strange to say it because the cost of being a follower of Jesus sometimes seems so high. And we're called to also bear our cross daily. So how do you put those two together? Well, I think in the way, in the sense that God who came to earth, earth, new people. He calls all of the tribes and nations to learn from him because he is gentle of heart. The important part to remember is that it is his yoke and he will bear it with us. So rather than a yoke too heavy to bear, the yoke that Jesus All who believe. As the worship band comes up and we're going to sing our final song, uh, we have a prayer that I'd like to say together. It's a wonderful prayer speaking about the wonderful saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we think about one, two bodies becoming one, the nations becoming one body in Christ. Let's say this prayer together. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth your hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.